0: The following is audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you would like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org. Today we continue our studies in this letter of Paul to the church at Ephesus. And I'm entitling our message today, A Wake-Up Call, Ephesians 5, 8-14. I don't know about you, but um, I've been challenged by Chapter 5. We're to imitate our Father, our God. We're to mimic Him. And I was wondering and wrestling with the question, what role can music play in this miraculous process? And I don't know about you, but I was not raised a musician. I barely can tune my own radio. But um, I have appreciated music through the years, and God has used music to inspire me and and a portion of scripture we'll look at next week says that we are to speak to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs or songs of the spirit. This is a a variety of music and I find that varieties in music minister to me. So uh, since I'm an old man, I think back to old music. And um, St. Patrick was Irish as you know and uh, here's another Irishman who was born in 530 A.D., and he wrote a hymn that was translated into English in the early 20th century and then set to music of an Irish song. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Be all else but naught to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night, both waking and sleeping, thy presence my light. He's crying out, to focus his soul on the lord and it's his desire both in the daytime and the nighttime be thou my wisdom be thou my true word be thou ever with me and i with thee lord be thou my great father and i thy true son be thou in me dwelling and i with thee one he cries out for wisdom he wants pure revelation from god and, and he is confident that he will have that, and that wisdom will bind him together with the Lord. Um, be thou my breastplate. This is a verse we hardly ever sing. My sword for the fight, but he, it seems like he was reading Ephesians to me. Um, be thou my whole armor, be thou my true might. Be thou my soul's shelter, be thou my strong tower. O raise thou me heavenward great power of my power. He's crying for protection. He's putting the heavenly armor on and he sees God as his shelter and his strong tower. Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. Be thou mine inheritance now and always. Be thou and thou only the first in my heart. O high King of heaven, my treasure thou art. He cries out for God's recognition. He cries out for inheritance. And that phrase just really gets me. He is my treasure. He is my treasure. Be high king of heaven, thou heaven's bright sun. Oh, grant me its joys after victory is won. Great heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O oh ruler of all. He's looking forward to victory, isn't he? he? He knows, he's assured, he's going to taste victory. And he just wants God to be his focus. Oh, I love that old song. It It's ministered to me many times. I don't sing it too terribly well, but. I love the words of it, and it's such a blessing. Now I read for us today the text from Ephesians chapter five, verses eight to 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. In these verses, Ephesians 5, 8-14, Paul uses four arguments to persuade us to live by faith in God with transparency. He keeps using the picture of light contrasted with darkness. And one of the qualities of light is we can live transparently. We do not have to hide in the shadows. We do not have to put on masks. It's one of the great blessings of being a follower of Jesus Christ. So the arguments run like this. Identification leads to Fruition. Discrimination leads to celebration. Separation leads to illumination, and conviction leads to reflection. So let's unpack these together. Identification leads to fruition. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Who are we? Well, we were once darkness. Not only did we live in the dark, we ourselves were darkness. Did you see that? And now we are not just in the light, we are the light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he said to his followers, You were the light of the world. See? Your identity has changed. You were in the dark, but now you are light. Hallelujah. That is such an incredible statement of transformation, which we could never produce for ourselves, but God does in us the moment we believe. What a dramatic transformation. And if I am in the light and I am, then it is because I'm in the Lord in union with him, see. And so Paul wrote to the Colossians, for he has rescued us or transferred us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. (coughs) So that's who we are. We are light. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we're to live as children of light. Earlier in the passage, he talked about sons of disobedience, children of disobedience. What characterized their lives was disobedience. But what characterizes our lives now in Christ is light. We're children of light. Light. Children of light. The men here for Bible study during the week were looking at 1 John. And what a great verse in verse 7 of chapter 1. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walk in the light. We are in the light. Let us walk in the light. Walk has been used again and again in the letter it is a corporate command to all of us. It's an ongoing experience. We walk and keep walking in the light. Why would we ever want to go back to the darkness? See, is kind of what's behind Paul's statement. Why, that, was not, that was fruitless. Why would, why would you want that? And so, oh, that's Dr. Osborne. I've been quoting him recently. I thought you should see a picture of him. He's in heaven now, so when you meet him, he'll look a lot better than he does in that picture. But anyway, the reign of darkness is a past reality for us as saints, and there is no reason for us to have anything to do with it. See, this is the argument the apostles use. And then he says, what's going to happen? Why does it work? Well, because it produces fruit. That's just the simple answer. It's so amazing. It produces fruit. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth dear Betty's getting ready for our garden. You know, the garden we're going to have. And she told me last week, the eggplants are up about this high. You can't grow eggplants or anything in the dark. You need the light. You need a miracle of photosynthesis. And in your soul, you need the light. And when the light is present, fruit will be shown. Fruit will be produced. It's so amazing. Look at the fruit. Goodness. (coughs) Goodness. What a great word. All that's good. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Goodness. Looking out for the welfare of others is behind that word. And righteousness. Getting it right. It's a legal term. Declared right. It's related to justification. But it also shows judicial fairness. Life isn't fair, but we as believers ought to be fair with one another. God is fair, ultimately, the fruit of righteousness, doing right as God does it. Now, Jesus Christ lived a perfectly righteous life, and then Romans tells us when we believe on Christ, his righteousness is imputed to us. It's put into our bankrupt account. Hallelujah. But if we really are righteous in him, then we ought to be doing some righteous things. We get it right once in a while. And we want to get it right more often. See? The fruit of righteousness. The characteristic of the brand new self. We saw that earlier in chapter 4. And when we get to chapter 6, we'll put on a breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah. Part of the armor. And then all truths. Because the... The adjective all relates to goodness, righteousness, and truth. Truth, not not lies, but truth. We've been berated by lies. We've been tempted by lies. But no, we live in the truth now. And we want to see the fruit of truth in our lives. The gospel is true. And it's the basis of all the teaching that Paul gave to them. It was based on truth. And Jesus himself is the truth. And so when we tie all our armor together, what will it be? With a belt of truth. So you see, goodness, righteousness, and truth is a direct contrast to what he said last week about sexual morality and impurity and greed and all that. See, so it's showing that stark contrast. And this is what would be seen in us. Because of our identity in Christ, there's no room for hypocrisy. The old prophet told me, living by faith is living without scheming. I don't have to scheme my way through life. I can just honestly and transparency, live in the light because I'm a child of the light and God will show forth his fruit in my life. That's the intent of what he's saying. The poor little plant doesn't say, Ooh, I got to bear fruit, I got to bear fruit. No. It happens because God's life is in the plant and God's life is in us. So watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So I thought to myself, when somebody comes into our fellowship here, do they see fruit like this? I hope so. May God help us to bear fruit. When David really challenged us a year ago to be hyper-hospitable. That's what he's talking about, that we will be showing goodness to others, righteousness, truth. These are the things our society so desperately needs to see and hear and feel. And may God help us to greet each other like this, to pray for each other like this, and to pray with all and any who we might meet, whether here or anywhere we meet them. So our identification leads to fruition, or it should lead to fruition. Secondly, discrimination leads to celebration. This is just one verse, and find out what pleases the Lord. Discover His will and then delight in His will. Find out is the way it's translated. A very interesting term used 22 times in your New Testament. When I see find out, it suggests a hunt, but actually, this is a picture of a crucible. When you put fine metal into a crucible, the true quality of the metal is seen. And so, when you're thinking about decisions in life, put those thoughts, put those ideas into the crucible and let God's will be revealed because it's always good. Find out what pleases the Lord. And if it pleases your Father in heaven, it's going to be pleasurable to you and me and others as well, right? So desire that smile from our daddy's face in heaven. Delight to do his will. Oh, Abba, Father, smile on us, right? That's what we're saying. I want to delight in doing his will. And sometimes it is tough. I mean, it's not like God's up there, I ain't showing him. It's not like that. But still, sometimes it takes some time and a process. So discern it. Discrimination leads to the celebration. This word pleasure is almost always used of God, pleases the Lord. So make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home, in the body, or away from it, whether we're here on the earth or in heaven. Either way, we're going to live to please the Lord, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things while done in the body, whether good or bad. Please the Lord. Delight to please Him. Take some discernment. My father used to say to me, Rick, you can't go through life fat, dumb, and happy. Okay, Dad. Live with discernment. And as you're discerning things, you'll be able to celebrate, you see. So my old prof gave us this outline. We were talking about this at the men's study again. How do you prepare for a day? How do you surrender your schedule to the Lord? And uh, the old prophet said, well, first give him your body. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. So when you wake up in the morning, give him your body. For some of us, that's the hardest step of all, right, getting out of bed. But give him your body. Your body, God gave you. And when you bear fruit and live for him, it's going to be in this body, this mortal body while you're on the earth. So give him your body and then give him your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I suggest you open your Bible. I suggest that you read truth from God's word, that his word might renew your mind because you're either going to live in the cycle of conforming to the pattern of the world or being transformed. So choose to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Offer him your mind and then your will. And then you'll be able to test and approve. That word test is the same word we saw in this text. And approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Give him your will. Submit your schedule to the Lord. It's a great way to start the day. It's a great way to live. Discrimination that leads to celebration. Thirdly, separation leads to illumination. Don't dwell in the dark. Have nothing to do with the fruitless notice that fruitless, compared to the fruitfulness we earlier saw of the light, the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, have nothing to do. Take no part, have no fellowship or partnership with the darkness. Total separation is what is communicated here, but not separating from other sinners, because if you had to do that, you'd have to live all alone in isolation. Isn't it amazing that Jesus attracted sinners? That's always convicted me. You know, Luke 15, for instance. The Pharisees, the self-righteous looking down their nose at everybody, were really offended because Jesus kept attracting sinners. That's a beautiful thing. While he himself was not a sinner and never sinned, he's attracting sinners. So we separate ourselves from the deeds, but not from the people who need Christ so desperately. Their words and their works are barren, they're meaningless, without purpose. So expose them. It's a present active imperative, which means it's an action. We're exposing by the way we're living in itself because the darkness is forced to recede when you shine light on darkness. Have you noticed that? You shine light, the darkness goes away. May we be sought in light in this community. May, may God's light be shining through us. We are not Captain Conviction. None of us were given that title. You're looking at me like, what is he talking about? Well, it's not our thing to go around convicting others. The Holy Spirit does this, but he'll use us. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, will prove the, the world to be wrong, convict them, expose them to the light about sin, righteousness, and judgment. God does this, and so we need to not dwell on the darkness and don't discuss their disobedience. Don't publish the National Enquirer. Is that paper still around? I don't even know. But so much of the news today is just about this stuff, talking about what disobedience is doing. It's not for us. It's shameful, even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Sin brings shame. That's what brings shame. Um, I, I was reminded of um, the words of Jeremiah in this regard. <clears throat> Jeremiah lived in a terrible day. The least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it was not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. It's not even proper to discuss it. The light exposes the darkness. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Just your life showing righteousness, showing truth, showing goodness, convicts those who are caught up in a life of darkness. It exposes it. It it illumines it. You say, I want to grow in my knowledge of God. Good. Then walk in the light. Live in the light. Stay away from the darkness. It's not going to help you. Study Scripture and investigate the truth. And then you'll know how to spot lies. Don't spend your time investigating what's being done in the dark. Just know the light. Know the truth. You'll spot the dark. You heard about the little girl in Sunday school. The teacher said, who made you? And she said, well, God made me little, and I grown the best rest myself. (laughs) Not likely. If, 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 If you're growing in grace, it's because of Jesus in you, right? You don't do it yourself. He does it in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that separation from darkness and sin leads to illumination. You're growing brighter. Hallelujah. Finally, the fourth in the list is conviction leads to reflection. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Well, that's a truth of nature. It's a truth spiritually as well. It just happens. And it's a present ongoing process as you're shining the light it, things become visible in the ethical world. And then it is explained. And this is kind of interesting. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light itself. There can be transformation. What was once in the dark, like you and me, can become light. Hallelujah. By the grace of God, by the power of God. Yes, it can happen. It does happen. It is happening. And this illumination is beautiful. So when you're faced with a moral question, what do you do? You go to Scripture and you study Scripture and you ask God to illuminate Scripture to you. Not just about the grammar and the words. It's about the Holy Spirit teaching us. He is the teacher. And he illuminates the truth of God's Word. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. For teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. Yeah, it rebukes us, and that's a good thing. Reproves us. And then as we share that truth of what God's done and what he's taught us, it brings things to light. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, Peter writes. And you'll do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Amen. 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 It's just wonderful. Jesus said it this way. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And how about this? Again, Peter, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, what that is indicating is their lives get transformed. That's a beautiful thing. The power of our witness can bring what was once in the darkness into the light. And we reflect the Lord Jesus like the moon reflects the sun. The light comes from him, and then it shines through us. And this is amazing, the conviction... The exposure to the light leads to reflection. We we reflect it on others. Now, this is what happened to the Thessalonians. Paul was only there for three weeks. But he said, we thank God continually because when you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe Wow, they received the Word of God. The reception of the Word led to the reflection of the Lord. He says in chapter 1, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. We don't even have to talk about it. They talk about how you turn from idols to serve the true and living God. All over the Roman Empire, everywhere Paul went. Oh, did you hear what happened in Thessalonica? That's beautiful. They're reflecting. God, hallelujah, they're, they're reflecting the Lord Jesus and his righteousness and his goodness and his truth, all those things. So this is quite a powerful set of arguments that Paul gave us. And then it culminates with this. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Now, there's some question about this. He says this is, this is why it is said and and. Generally, that introduces an Old Testament quote, but um, the closest Old Testament, this might be a paraphrase, what he's saying, or it might be a hymn. It, maybe it's a little song they sang when they got baptized. They say, whoa, wake up. Yeah, wake up. Uh-huh. Yes. Wake up out of your sleep. Because you, we rose up out of the dead, now Christ will show up to reveal truth to us and through us. Man. That's good stuff. We should sing that at every baptism. Now, now, David says, now, you see, we could apply this to an unbeliever. Unbelievers need to wake up, right? They need to wake up out of their sleep and come into the light and trust Christ. And, and, and that's a beautiful invitation. But it also relates to the Christian Rip Van Winkles of the world who are in the light, but they're living like they're sleeping. And sleep walking. Don't live like that. The silent treatment for your sons will never work. David said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Ah. Gloom, despair, agony on me. Ah. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was zapped as in the heat of summer. How many people do you know are trying to hide their sin? They're trying to cover it up, they're trying to do whatever. Hiding treatment never works. The silent treatment never works. The honest treatment works. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That is written in such quick succession. As soon as you start confessing honestly, you are forgiven immediately. And that's such a blessing. That's the way to live your life, hallelujah. That's the way we wanna live. So why would we wanna live in the darkness anymore? We're in the light now. And in all of these arguments, we could say identification should lead to fruition. Discrimination should lead to celebration. Separation should lead to illumination. Conviction should lead to reflection. So I knew a group of people Who many years ago had a new pastor show up at their church? Yes, it was a small little New England town. The pastor was from Gordon Conwell Seminary. He would later become a philosophy teacher at the University of Tennessee. But in those days, he's just a young man and he's studying and he's preaching. (laughs) And he was an amazing preacher. Very forthright, very shy in private, but when he got into the pulpit, something happened to him. I don't know, but he really spoke with conviction. And so subsequently, a number of young couples came to faith in Jesus Christ. The church didn't like it. They called a meeting. He thought it was to elect a new deacon. It was a meeting to fire him. They didn't want him anymore as their pastor. They didn't like him shaking up the little town. So as he walked out, he thought, well, I'll go back to seminary, finish my studies. It'll be okay. And these couples gathered around him and said, you can't leave. You're our pastor now. You led us to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, you, you're not allowed to leave. And he said, well, what are we going to do? I don't know, they said. One guy said, I know a Jewish guy. He's we're called the Holy Rollers now, but he's, a, you know, he's been separated by this community too. And the Jewish man gave him property to build a church. For the rest of his life, he called it his church, even though he was Jewish and it was a Christian church. And then a storm blew in and a guy's whole forest blew down and he said, you can have the wood if you haul it out of here. So the young man hauled the wood out cut it into planks, and built a church. I knew those people. That was the story of my first church in New Hampshire. They mortgaged their homes to build that church. And one day one of them said to me, you know, Pastor, we used to sing a little chorus all the time. used to help us stay focused. I said, really, what is it? Well, here it is. Fire up, Christian. Christian, fire up. Keep the fire burning in your soul. Fire up. Don't you want to know the tune? Don't you want to hear it? Fire up, Christian. Christian, fire up. Keep the fire burning in your soul. Fire up. You know, that church is now on Church Street. The old founders would have thought, there's no way they'll ever call it Church Street. God has blessed that ministry over the years. They planted four or five other churches in New England. It's just a great story because they fired up. Oh, Lord, keep us so fired up. Thank you, Lord, for a text like this that reminds us of how glorious it is to be children of light. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, if there's anybody here still in darkness, maybe listening online today, that they'll come to the light, they'll come to the truth in Jesus Christ, they'll put their trust in you, and we know that the moment they do, we're forgiven of all our sins, we have a new life, and we can produce fruit that we could never produce on our own, but your Holy Spirit produces through us. Oh, Lord, bless us today as we go out enthusiastic and fired up. Amen and amen. You've been listening to audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you'd like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org.